We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ Hybe and on Facebook. This week's guest is Narash Visa. Narash is the founder and CEO of Krish Media and Marketing, a full-service e-commerce technology development, online and digital media and marketing agency and solutions provider. He has worked with CNN Radio, Clear Channel Communications, J.P. Morgan Chase, Everbank, the Institute for Energy Research, Houston Rockets, Houston Astros, the American Junior Golf Association, Agora Financial, Agora Publishing, Stansberry Research and Trade Stuff. He is the number one best-selling author of Fifty Shades of Marketing. Narash, welcome to the show. Hey, Lori. Pleasure to be on. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, especially since you are a marketing professional and that is my world. I'm sure we're going to have lots of fun things to talk about. Awesome. Looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. It's not every day that I come into contact with people who really understand online and digital business and marketing. So looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. Well, let's start with talking about uh, freelancing and small business in general. What's, what do you think the future of freelancing and small business is under this economy? And what recommendations do you have for someone to get started in either a freelancing career or start a small business of their own? Well, freelancing is is really the the future of the workforce and of business in general. So first off, let's I'm I'm not really sure um kind of the the, the level of knowledge that your audience knows. So let's first define what is freelancing. Mm-hmm. Um because back in the day, freelancing kind of was attached to like reporting and journalism Mm -hmm. and now freelancing can mean can be applied to any profession or any industry so in the case of freelancing uh, freelancing is simply a a job where you work on your own free time Um, you offer a service uh, to to a company or various companies on your own free time. So that's why it's kind of called freelancing because you don't have like a boss. You don't have an office that you, that, I mean, you can have an office, but um, you don't really have a boss. You don't really report to anybody. Your client or clients are um, who you work for. And so in the case of freelancing, this, this freelance economy has really, really grown over the past uh, I'd say since he, the internet kind of took over and outsourcing uh, became a big deal post-financial crisis 2009. And so freelancing has, uh, has been a way for many, many people to work. And in my case, I started out freelancing, like I said, on the media side, um, media and production side. Mm-hmm. And then I learned online and digital marketing while I was working full-time at a company and then started freelancing in online and digital marketing and then kind of expanded to hire other freelancers or independent contractors to grow my business, which is now Chris media and marketing today. 
So the future of freelancing is is looking in really, really bright, and it's going to continue to expand because um, to employers, freelancers and independent contractors are much, much cheaper, easier to train. They don't even need to train them, really. Um, and and they don't have to provide benefits or health care or paid time off or vacation or any of that other stuff. Um, so employers are going to continue, corporations, small businesses are going to continue to hire freelancers, which means to your listeners, they need to be paying attention to this freelance economy because if they have full-time jobs, those are at risk moving forward. And freelance jobs are going to continue to, to be kind of the hot commodity and the hot ticket. Yeah, I, I would agree that I see that happening, especially in our industry in, in marketing and, and digital marketing, both traditional and digital. Um, it's more and more that that gig economy structure that's taking place right now. Yeah, the, so it, that's kind of the, the fancy term for it. It's called the gig economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so people, especially younger listeners, people like in college, graduate school, people in their early to mid twenties, they need to really be paying attention to this because the idea of having a job is it, it, it's really kind of an older generation, generational, um, idea. And so they should not be thinking, okay, how do I get a corporate job? How do I get a job? Because those jobs are starting to disappear in the freelance job. It's all about value or it's all about value creation and skills. Mm -hmm. Skills are today's um, currency in in the workplace. So it's about building up your skill set so that you can then promote your skills and utilize your skills to help a company's bottom line. And so what, what are examples of these skills that I, that I talk about? Well, it, it can be anything. It could be speaking. It could be like kind of the old school soft, soft skills. But I think the most important skills are the technology skills. And by technology skills, I mean the ability to use a computer, a cell phone, um, a, a tablet proficiently and efficiently. Um, knowing how to use all the different applications and softwares and technologies within these technologies. So we're talking the use of apps. We're talking about effectively in the case of marketing, I can tell you I'm constantly just, just some, some skills that I'm always using um, writing well, like copywriting and just writing in general, communication, speaking, email, uh, so important. Then there's like Slack, keep communicating with my team, um, Slack and uh, another walkie talkie app that we use. Um, and then as far as administration and management goes, uh, invoicing using Microsoft office, Microsoft PowerPoint, PayPal, um, Microsoft word, Microsoft Excel is huge, uh, to, to, to keep my books creating financial models. So these are just Look, I could keep going on and on about Mm -hmm. different softwares and technologies and skills, but these are just some examples of of skills that I use on an everyday basis. Um, And so that is what your listeners should be kind of thinking about. Yeah, I think that's um, really good insights to share in that technology creates efficiencies, but you need to know how to best leverage them and use them. And if you're going to be freelancing, um, or even starting your own small business, you need to master these tools or at least know enough to help you be efficient in the work that you're doing. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and skills, look, if I didn't know how to, if I didn't know how to add or subtract or understand multiplication, look, these are the, these are just the basics of learning how to use Microsoft Excel or um, when I'm invoicing, I'm constantly doing math in my head, uh, crunching all sorts of numbers when sending invoices um, at the end of, of every month or the beginning of the next month. So there are a lot of skills that you may not even, th- like I may not even think they're skills because they just come second nature, but to many people in the workforce, they may not know how to use PayPal to create an invoice. They may have never even used PayPal. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they might still be mailing their invoices. Like, um, so it's just technology has made our lives so much easier. It's, it's sped up the process. I mean, I can tell you, I just sent out invoices yesterday because it was the first, um, the first day of the, the first work day of the month. So it was Monday mm-hmm. and I got paid within one hour of the invoices being sent out. And that's because of technology. It's because I was able to create an invoice online, sent it to the clients and boom, within an hour they received it and they just stroked a few keys, pressed a button and it was paid. They were paid the invoices. Yeah. Um, Whereas I still know some people who are hunting down um, people to collect on, on previous payments and they're hunting down trying to get checks or cash or whatever. And that's just an example of the progression of technology. And so I can't stress it enough. That's why I keep talking about it. It's if you want to succeed in today's business and business landscape, business environment, regardless of what your profession is, if you're in marketing, if you're in medicine, if you're in sales, you name it, real estate, you have to master technology. You you have to do it. If, If you're not going to be able to do it, if you can't master technology, you're not going to be able to grow your business and you're going to fall behind. Yeah, I agree with all that a hundred percent. So, Naresh, you're also very into podcasting, which is awesome. So what drew you into podcasting and do you have any tips to that novice podcaster? Yeah, absolutely. So I let me first start out with how I got started in podcasting. Um, I My background initially was in media and journalism, so... I was a reporter, um, print, radio, television, in front of the microphone and camera, behind the scenes as an editor, you name it. And um, when it came to, or radio is really kind of how I got started in the professional space. And in 2011, a, a company found me on LinkedIn because that that's a separate topic we can talk about, but they just put in some keywords on LinkedIn, found me and recruited me to essentially um, start an online podcast network. And back in 2011, podcasting was brand new. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, it was so new. Uh, Most people didn't, I mean, literally like almost a hundred percent, like 99% of people didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hadn't, very, very little experience with podcast with podcasting. I don't even know how I got the job because I was not qualified for it. But anyway, that was kind of my first foray into podcasting. Um, and so I ended up launching an online podcast network that generated seven figures in revenue with hundreds of thousands of listeners worldwide. 
And that was kind of like my, my comeuppance. That was my coming out party of, wow, this is, this is a medium that people need to be paying attention to. And that was the original service that my company, Christian Media and Marketing, started offering to clients. It was on the, the podcast production side. And so it's, it's one of our biggest revenue drivers. Cool. So I've been working in podcasting for such a long time, relatively speaking, uh, such a long time. And so I've kind of figured out um, why podcasting would work, why it would catch on as a trend. Um, and then most importantly, the point of podcasting is building up a listenership and making money. Um, help growing your business or selling product. That's really the point. Um, and so I'll quickly share three primary revenue drivers and explain them a little bit. But the first revenue driver of podcasting coming from that terrestrial AM FM radio space, first revenue driver is advertising, which is not the primary revenue driver. And it should not be a primary revenue driver because advertising, the advertising industry is so different than what it was 15 years ago in AM, FM radio. Mm-hmm. Um, the second revenue driver, which is the most important revenue driver, is using the podcast as a lead generator or a loss leader um, so that you can sell an existing product or service. So let's say, let's say you, Lori, have a, a business, you have a marketing business and you're trying to sell your marketing services. Well, your podcast, the one that I'm on right now, um, is a way that you can build up a listenership and sell your marketing services at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast isn't about your company or about your services, but you're essentially just kind of building up those leads so that you can uh, promote your services, maybe at the end of episodes, maybe subliminally throughout the episodes, or maybe you're trying to capture their information, their email addresses, per se, and emailing them and sending special offers for your services. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how um, that's how podcasters make them that that's how the big podcasters make their money. They're selling an existing product or a service, whether it's real estate or um, any other type of service or, or product, that's how they're making their money. Um, and then the third revenue driver is premium content. So that's like a paid subscription type of podcast, mm-hmm. similar to a magazine style. You, you subscribe to a magazine and you get it every week or every month. Same thing in the case of podcasting. Um, you, you, you put, maybe you have a free version that's available to the public and then you, you upsell them and say, Hey, if you want this special version of the podcast, you have to pay X amount of dollars per month. These were the three primary revenue drivers that we had when I was working full time at that company. And all three, we were utilizing all three revenue drivers to, to, to create a, a seven-figure podcasting network. Most podcasters who are starting from their basement, per se, um, they're only focusing on one of those revenue drivers, which is fine. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you, all you really need to do is focus on one. Um, but you need to be thinking. The important thing is you need to be thinking about these revenue. You can't just say, oh, yeah, I want to start a podcast and just start doing something. And you're, you're not even thinking about how you're going to monetize or what the long-term plan is. This needs to be thought of before you even get started on the podcasting venture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think all three of those are, it's basically the exact same story I share when I'm speaking to people that are interested in podcasting, especially when it comes 
from a, well, not necessarily B2B, but very much um, a way to just generate revenue from podcasting. And um, I'm an advocate primarily of number two, which is the lead generation loss leader approach. Um, the premium content, I think, is a little bit um, probably the most challenging, I would say, in my opinion. And But advertising can be challenging, too, because you have to have an established audience that someone would be willing to pay money to get in front of. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Advertising, I don't recommend it because it's, it's just so, it's so difficult to keep advertisers over the long haul. And now advertising, it's so easy to quantify um, advertising and to understand what you're getting in return as an advertiser. It, it's, it's not what it was 15, 20 years ago. You know exactly how many people are listening, the clicks you're getting, the revenue that you're making because of that advertisement. And so um, if it's not working out, the advertiser has no problem pulling the plug. Um, whereas previously it, it was, they were just kind of blindly advertising on a, on a CPM basis. Um, the analytics have gotten so much better. And so unless you're a really, really awesome podcast, <laughs> which, which um, we, I've worked, my company has worked with so many great podcasts and they're just filling up ad slots left and right. Um, unless you're one of those, don't start a podcast thinking you're going to become rich um, selling advertising. It's, sure. it's a losing ball game. Yeah, I agree with that uh, a ton. So can you tell us a little bit more about your book, Podcastnomics? Well, so Podcastnomics, a genesis, was, I wrote it about almost uh, five years ago or almost exactly five years ago. It came out and it's a primer on podcasting from soup to nuts, um, from the death of radio to what's a podcast, a history of podcasting, software and equipment to get started, all the way to how to monetize, how to get guests on your show, how to market your podcast, revenue drivers, etc. So um, the reason why I wrote it is because, like I said, I was pretty new. I was almost like a pioneer in the podcasting space. And... I had so many leads coming my way, but I couldn't close a deal. And I was wasting a lot of time on the phone and email, just answering questions on basic things. Like what I mentioned earlier, what's a podcast? Why should I podcast? Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what, why don't I, why don't I put it all down on paper and publish it as a book? And that way people don't need to waste my time. They can just buy the book for $5 on Amazon and all the answers are right there in front of them whenever they want to look at them. So that's what I did. Came out with the book and it ended up being a num not just a number one bestseller, but I've sold more than 15,000 copies of the book. And um, it's, it's, it's grown my business, Christian Media and Marketing. And it's just been a huge, uh, kind of a huge success. Uh, I would have never imagined it taken off like it did. But it came out in 2014 which is when podcasting went mainstream, it went mainstream. Um, so I got lucky with the timing and it all just worked out really well. That's awesome. I think that's fantastic. I I keep saying I've got five books in my head and kudos to you for taking the steps to, to getting it done. Cause I, you know, everyone's got 
great ideas, but it's it's taking the time to execute that's going to make things happen. And obviously, it's been extremely successful for you. So well, nice that's time. yeah, that's business in general. The people always say they have ideas in their heads, but it's all about execution. The ideas are worthless if they're just sitting in your head. So you have to kind of move forward and take that time out and put in the work uh, so that your ideas come to fruition. And that that's just one of the keys to to entrepreneurship in general. Totally. All right. So the purpose of my show is really to help our listeners alleviate any fears that they have around networking. So can you share with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? Um, so networking to me, I, I think we'd have to properly define what is networking. And I'm going to give my own definition because networking to me is not going to a party and just shaking a bunch of hands. That's not networking. And, and I consider myself to be a very good networker without even attending parties or events or galas or any of that stuff. I work from home. I'm in my pajamas most of the day. And despite that, I've grown my business. You can't grow a business or sell a product without a network. That's just how, where you can't hire people without a network. You need a network in order to, to succeed in, in business. So it's just the way it works. And I get asked all the time, well, how, how do you have such a good network? How do you have this, this vast network of people, you know, heavy hitters, just go, go on Amazon and see the people who have endorsed my books. And you'll see kind of how wide that network is. And I do it from just sitting in front of my laptop, um, working all day. And I think the key to networking and, and because I remember in college and high school, networking was such a big concept. You know, you need to network, you need to expand your network. And the key, the number one key to networking, I realize, is value creation. It's can you provide value to other people? whether it's a skill or knowledge or just pure entertainment, um, can you provide value? And so that's why you'll see these really good networkers, the people who have very bad, who have very deep connections. They're, they're not, they're not the way they are because they just attend events and hand out their business cards. No, it's because if you really dig down into the root of their networking success, it's, are they providing value to people? Because you can go to all those events and if you're not able to provide any value, then people aren't going to take you seriously. They're, they're just not. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can, if you can provide some type of value, then you're going to attract people like a magnet. It's almost like oh, you're a magnet and people are going to come to you. Um, I think that's kind of the secret sauce to networking. And so then the next question will be, well, how do I provide value to people? And that's something that's unique to each person. I I don't have a a generic answer to give somebody on how to provide value to people. Um, And this, this goes personally as well. If you just think about your friendship, personal friendships that you have, why are you friends with people? Well, if you actually get down to the root of it, it's probably the same reason you're friends with somebody because they, it's almost like a, they're offering you something um, and you're offering them something back. That's, that's a friendship. That's, it's a two way street. 
in the case of friendship, I think that offering um, has more to do with like entertainment or um, just, I like talking to this person. I like being their friend because they're funny. They entertain me. They're fun to be around. Um, whereas in business, it's more, it's more, this person has a value or a skill or a product that is of benefit to me or my business. Personally, it's just more so, uh, this person's a cool person. I enjoy being around the person. I enjoy talking to the person. So that's kind of the, the sociology behind networking that, uh, how I break it down. I love it. I think it's great. I think you hit a number of very important points and I would agree a hundred percent with the, the value creation or the value proposition at the end of the day. And then I love how you stated that value is really going to be unique to each person and not only what someone is giving, but also what is of value to the receiver too. They have different needs. So um, really well put. Yeah. And, and people, people tell me all the time, Oh, you know, I struggle to make friends. I don't really have that many friends. Like how do I get more friends? And, 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 and I try to tell them this kind of nicely. I say, look, you got to provide value. Um, you, you have to, these are all the different ways that, that people will take you more seriously or be attracted to you. But to give you an example, look, I have friends who I may not have a personal relationship with, but I have other, we already talked about business relationships, but, but I might have a di completely different type of relationship. So for example, I, I have a friend who I only see him on the tennis court because we play tennis with each other. We don't hang out. We don't talk on the phone. We don't text, but it's like once a week we're, we text each other. Hey, want to go play tennis? Want to go hit some balls? Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. the value that he's providing to me. He's providing a tennis partner who I can exercise with and play some, play a game and, and enjoy and, and have some fun. Um, so th that, that's just a, another example of how you can provide value to somebody and, and make a friend. Like I said, I don't have a personal relationship with him. I don't know much about him personally, but we both share that common interest of getting out of the house, getting out of the office and playing tennis. Yeah, that's great. So how do you stay in front of or nurture these relationships that you're creating? Well, again, it's, it's impossible to, it, it, it's not something that you should consciously be doing. It's not something that you should have a list of your thousand people and contact them in a mass text every week. No, um, you just have to kind of remember people, what they do, what they have to offer. And um, when when time comes, whether you're throwing a party or you're uh, trying to grow a business, uh, kind of placing people in, their, in the right place um, and understanding what their strengths and their weaknesses are. In the case of business, um, it's just so crucial to understand what people do, what they have to offer, and then moving forward that way. And, and that's how I stay in touch with people. I'm not con I mean, there are some people who I might reach out three, four years down the line because I realize, hey, that person lives in this area and I'm going to be visiting that area for a conference. So I'd love to meet up with them. Or um, that person works in this space and a client of mine needs help with an issue in that space. So connecting the two. I think one of the best ways to network is by connecting people, by introducing one person to another person because they have something in common or because they can help each other. I think that's really the ultimate strategy uh, when it comes to networking. 
I think that's that's fantastic, actually. And and then you really get embedded in someone's head as a valuable resource because you provided value by making that connection. Exactly. So you then become kind of um, the, the leader of that relationship. Hmm. Even if you're completely out of the picture, uh, you've just created value for those people. Again, going back to value creation, you've created value for them. And you're, you've become that value creator, which just holds a lot of power in the grand scheme of, of networking and of relationships and business. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, so what advice would you offer the business professional who's looking to grow their network? Well, um, I think I've shared a lot of strategies and a lot of tips uh, that answer that question so mm -hmm. far. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I would say is, look, you don't have to be an extrovert to be a networker. In fact, I don't really like people that much. Um, I don't like going to all these like networking events. Um, I, I don't like, I don't even take my business card with me. I don't like handing out business cards. I don't do that. Instead, almost everything that I do is, um, is just because I want to make I want to make my life easier and I want to make other people's lives easier because if other people's lives are easier my life's going to be easier too. My business will grow, their business will grow, we can all kind of work together. And so it's kind of this selfless um unselfishness of just trying to help other people because I think when you're helping other people, you're helping yourself uh when you're helping other people. You're helping yourself the most. Nice. So um, that would be my biggest piece of advice. It's um, understanding that when you are helping other people and you're uh, creating value for them, you're actually helping yourself and you're creating value for yourself. And it's, it's a philosophy. It's not like, I can't guarantee, I don't have like a quantifiable method to, to give you numbers to guarantee this, but it's a philosophy that I think people should understand and try their best to utilize. Yeah. I really like that. I, I, it makes sense. It hundred percent makes sense. I, I think it's important to, it's a good mindset to be in most definitely. All right, Narash, if you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? Well, I would have, I would tell myself get started in business as soon as possible. <laughs> Don't hold back. Um, the younger you are, the, the more opportunity you have, especially when you're 20, you're in college, you have so many resources in front of you, people who want to help you. Whereas when you're 25 out of school, away from that university setting, no one wants to help you. They're like, oh, this is just some unemployed guy who um, doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so to my 20 year old self, it's, it, there's very little risk to you when you're 20. You don't have the tie, the, the lockdowns, the, the ties, the strings attached that people in their thirties have. Mm -hmm. So just, just go ahead, go for it. If you fail, who cares? No one cares when you're in your, at least in your early mid twenties. And even if they do care, you shouldn't care. That's what I've tell myself. Yeah. Nice. Really good advice. So we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you could do it within the sixth degree? Uh, I think I can definitely, um, connect with at least here within the United States. I think I, I have within six degrees of separation to such people. Um, 
the the one person who I would want to connect with, I'm not really sure there is an, anyone because we live in a in an online and digital world where we have direct access to these individuals. So I can give you some examples. Um, if I love Tony Robbins, for example, well, I can just get his books, read his books. I can attend some of his seminars. Uh, his son's a friend of mine. So I have direct access there. Um, but that's just an example. Now, what if I wanted direct access to, let's say, um, President Trump, right? Presidents are always difficult to get to. Get to. Well, guess what? Um, he's got a Twitter and an Instagram, and uh, I can follow him through that. Mm -hmm. um, it turns out that my my broker or my, my agent who got, who got me one of my houses, um, was his like property manager or broker something back maybe 10 years ago when he went to school with his children. Um, so, I mean, that's like three degrees of separation right there. Um, so the point that I'm making is we have access, um, to all these people who, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett might be a little bit harder, but um, we have access through their books, their podcasts, their websites, their newsletters, their blogs. Um, we have access to them. And if we get lucky, it, it's easier than ever to contact them through these mm -hmm. media. If we get lucky, they'll respond and boom, you've got your, you've got your digital meeting per se doesn't have to be in person. So that that's really the best way that I would um, answer your question. I think that's great. I mean, really, there are a lot of these uh, high profile thought leaders are sharing their message already um, and just kind of engaging and listening to their content is a way to connect with them. Well, and, and that goes back. So we, we talked about podcasting. One of our major services is podcast production, and we book guests on podcasts. We book mm -hmm. like heavy hitting guests. And that's why I couldn't answer your question properly, simply because I'm so used to hosts wanting guests on their shows and my company goes and makes it happen for them. Yeah, They say, awesome. hey, I'm having this, this conference. I want Congressman Ron Paul to be our keynote speaker. Okay, done. Two days later, we got a contract. He's going to speak on your he's going to speak at your conference or I want, you know, former president, um, Jimmy Carter. Okay. Done. Know his, his, uh, ha have ties to people who know him can, can get him on to, can get him to make an appearance. Um, so I'm not like starstruck in that sense because, uh, I just kind of, I mean, we have a speaking agent that like we have a, a an agency that books speakers for podcasts that does online PR for conferences, online conferences, online summits, you name it. And so, um, getting it, it goes back to the whole value creation. Well, why would, why would Ron Paul want to show up to this conference? Well, if you pay him a big speaking fee, he'll show up. So that's, that's the value that he's getting by, by attending. Mm -hmm. um, or why would somebody want to go on this podcast? Well, if the podcast has 20,000 plus listeners who are all hardcore listeners who will, you know, share it on their social media, et cetera, then it's worth it to, to be a guest on the podcast free sure. of charge. Why am I on your show? I'm on your show because you've got a podcast, you've done a good, great job marketing it. Like I looked up your show, I vetted it before 
um, coming on. And I said, this is a good opportunity to get myself, my business out there and to make my voice be heard in front of thousands of people. Yeah. Awesome. Really good insights. So any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Yeah, well, um, just again, I can't stress enough value, value creation, um, value creation and skills. We've talked about both of those concepts. And I think if, if you just keep those two in mind, as you move forward in your business career, or even if you just have a job at, at a company, growing that skill set, finding more ways to contribute to that company or that employer, you're going to, you're going to move on up within the company. You're going to become that person who people go to um, because you, you have that knowledge and that skill set. You're going to be saving the company a lot of money as well. Um, so that's, that skills and in, in, in the process you're providing value. And, and so those two areas I think are the fundamentals of, of good, good entrepreneurship and just succeeding in business. Fantastic. I love it. If anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way they can reach you? Yeah. Visit my website, nareshvisa.com. Um, that's my name, nareshvisa, nareshvisa.com. Get on my mailing list and I will send, if you contact me after you get on my mailing list, I'll send you a free copy of any one of my books. Just go on Amazon, type in my name, nareshvisa. You can see my books. There are five of them. Um, you pick your book and I'll send you a free copy of it. So nareshvisa.com, go on Amazon to find out more about my books. That's awesome. And we will include all of that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It's been a pleasure, Lori. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Naresh for taking the time to connect with us. Join us next week for another great guest as we continue the conversation on networking and building your community. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.